Hi, Patrick here. And today, who's exporting English words and who's importing them? Well, people are doing both all over the English-speaking world. But let's narrow things down a bit to a couple of the usual suspects, Britain and the United States. Ever since I can remember, Brits have been complaining about the American contagion, all those horrid words and phrases making us a little less British. Now that I live in the United States, I don't hear the same thing. I don't hear a, a mirrored sentiment, you know, something along the lines of that those supercilious Brits are imposing a bunch of pompous expressions on, on plain-speak in America. It's not like that at all. Though there is evidence that increasingly U.S. and U.K. English are swinging both ways. Time to hear from a couple of smart people who follow this stuff. You may remember Lynn Murphy. She was in a previous pod. She writes a blog called Separated by a Common Language. I went to visit her a few years ago. I interviewed her at the University of Sussex Linguistics Department on the South English coast. The other person is Ben Yagoda. He writes a blog called Not One-Off Britishisms. One-off? Yep. That's a Britishism. Turns out to be a pretty useful one. Yagoda is a professor of English at the University of Delaware. The BBC's Evan Davis, he asked the questions, and his interest in all of this was piqued because on a recent trip to the US, he heard Americans saying what he thought were a number of British English expressions, expressions that they certainly weren't saying back in the 80s when Davis spent a bit of time in the US. He was studying there. Davis asked Ben Yagoda first about this. He asked for examples of British words now commonly used by Americans. Here's the response. Well, the one that really got me started was a phrase, the, the verb uh, to go missing, which up until about 10 or 12 years ago was unheard of here. We would have said disappeared, which isn't really a very useful word. Another one is ginger, to refer to what we would have called a red-haired or red-headed person. Did you not have ginger? Now it's common. I ascribe that in some large part to the Harry Potter books, where, of course, Ron is described as a ginger. <laughs> Lynn Murphy, it, it, it seems like the traffic is two-way. I think in this country... Well, we, certainly, yeah. We tend to think it all comes from American, and we, we, we tend to speak Americanism, but it does seem both ways. It is, and it goes in waves, you know. Right now, we're seeing a lot of it in the US, in particular, the Britishisms being used there. In the case of Americanisms coming into the UK, that's a bit of a more steady flow um, and has been since since the war. Every year I, on my blog, give the top transferred word for each dialect. Um, so it was interesting me to, for me to hear that two of Ben's were the ones that I'd crowned the best UK to them. US ones in 2009-2010. Chatting with folks there, they, they were able to cite a few. One-off was one. That's a yeah. very useful phrase. I'm amazed you didn't have something... For one-off, Ben. Well, absolutely. In a lot of these things, there's no real equivalent. Another category, though, is one where there is, I believe, pretty much an exact equivalent in the U.S. And the popularity of those Britishisms in the U.S., I ascribe to, well, pretentiousness is, is a harsh word, but in the Internet culture today, there's a big premium put on being hip, being different, one of the ones I recently uh, spotted being used here is the phrase hard man, which is used about your football uh, stars and, and some action actors, which we, our equivalent was, I believe, exact tough guy. 
So to say hard man instead of tough guy just makes your blog post or whatever it is you're writing just sound a little bit different, clever. So that's an interesting category itself. I, I remember reading years ago that our two languages were so different that after 100 years we wouldn't be able to understand Americans. It, 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 it's the reverse, isn't it's it? The- they are con- converging. Well, a little bit. Lexically, in terms of words, yes, we're getting more and more words in common. But at the same time, new words are being introduced in both dialects all the time. So there's a lot going on there. Pronunciation-wise, we're getting much further apart. Are we? Yeah, the vowels, say, in the southeast of England are all going frontward in the mouth. And I believe in, in the major American dialects, they're going upward. So they're getting quite different. And that's the kind of place where... Changes occur because of subconscious uh, reasons, and and a lot of it has to do with what kind of identity you're trying to project. Ben, is there a reaction against British words? I think you would be you would not find it difficult to find people in the UK saying we don't like these Americans coming in and polluting our language. Is there a similar sort of reaction against Britishisms? Not really. No, here it's more of a novelty. So I think the reaction is 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 amusement. But at the same time, attitude surveys about dialects have changed over the years. And so in the 80s, um, there was a famous study that showed that Americans thought their own accents inferior to British accents, Ah. um, even though the British accents made them more uncomfortable. So they make them more uncomfortable, but they feel that they have more status, um, which sort of explains why, you know, bad guys in the films, supervillains, have (laughs) British accents because they have high status, but they make you uncomfortable. More recent surveys have shown Americans valuing their own accents over the British accent, which um, could have something to do with you know, certain nationalistic feelings at this time in America. But it certainly has been a change. That's very interesting. Well, uh, uh, the one that fascinated me was I was at a seminar in Boston called Keep Calm and Carry On, and I had no idea. We have mugs and tea towels saying Keep Calm and Carry On, but I had no idea that... That, Ben, was a phrase that would have found its way into the uh, United States in the same sort of half-ironic way that it's used here. Well, it's funny you should mention that because I'm, I'm now working on a post that's actually going to be a slideshow of images that are uh, variations on the expression. I had one that was a sock uh, that an athlete at the University of California wore, and the nickname for University of California is Cali, C-A-L-I, and the, the slogan on the sock was Keep Calm and Cali On, and instead of the crown, there was a picture of the California bear. So uh, that one has a lot of staying power, no question about it. Absolutely uh, fascinating to hear all of that. Both of you, thank you. Lynn Murphy and Ben Yagoda, thanks. Okay, that's it for today. I'll link to the blogs of Lynn Murphy and Ben Yagoda, also to that previous conversation I had with Lynn Murphy. That'll be at theworld.org slash language. Otherwise, see you on Facebook or on Twitter, where I tweet as Patrick Cox. That's P-A-T-R-I-C-O-X. I leave you with a sign-off that when I first came to the U.S., I never came across, except with a drink in hand. But now you come across it quite often. Cheers. Still working on cheers, mate, but cheers is pretty common parlance.